If you have your Bible at home, please go get it or pick it up, and we'd like to have you follow along. If you have your Bible with you here, please pick it up. We'd like to have you. Please open your Bible to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Now, that's at the very end of the Bible, uh, of the New Testament. It's right after the book of Hebrews. And so Hebrews, James, and John, those Hebrews there, and you'll have uh, friends like Peter, James, uh, and Jude, all those there, and Revelation. But it's just a little book. Now, who is James? Well, we think of James and John being brothers, but that's not the James who wrote this particular little letter. This happens to be the half-brother, we would say, of Jesus. He actually was Joseph's son, but not Mary's son. So he was technically a half-brother, half I suppose you could say. And so he wrote this, and he was, became the head of the church. He became the head and the leaders, uh, particularly in Jerusalem, when they'd have meetings together, he would lead. All right, so James chapter 1, if you would please pick up with that. And we're going to begin with the very first verse and go down a little bit. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that is the master. He's calling his brother, half-brother of the master. The master, Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes, scattered among the nations just stop there so a lot of you wonder the 12 tribes scattered among the nations when nebuchadnezzar slept down and took israel captive and took the 12 tribes captive that was the end basically of the 12 tribes after that they really never congregated back together again so people wondered well is this a message strictly to the jews is this what this message is really for, just the Jews? But in looking over that and looking at that and looking at the rest of what James was saying, it appears that what he's really talking about is he's talking about spiritual Christians. He's talking about spiritual Israel and us all together. So it becomes important for us to look at his book. But you have to kind of hold on here, as you'll see in just a moment. So he says, in short, greetings or hello, or how you been, or this is getting old of you. It's kind of a formal way that they used to write letters and say greetings. Now would you please turn to verse 2. Chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And I looked at that, and I said, are you kidding? When you're facing trials of many kinds, you should count it pure joy. Well, if you look carefully at the book of James, he seems to divide things between trials and temptation. So the trials he's talking about are those things that are outside of our inward heart. They are the outside things that are affecting us. Those things that are coming our way, those things that are causing problems to us that are of no cost to ourselves. We didn't do it, not because particularly of sin or something, but they are just events that happen that cause things to come our way, like being tested positive for COVID-19. You can say, well, you didn't wear your mask. You don't. Well, we're doing the best we can, right? We're doing the best we can. And so here, here is this thing coming, testing. It's, it just came. It's not out... It's not something I did. It's something that came to me, a trial. Perhaps associated with COVID or whatever, getting laid off 
of your job. And I know many of us in our, in our congregation got laid off during this time. My son, who is, runs restaurants up in, he has, a, he has lost people because they had to get laid off because of the work that they didn't have for them. Or how about car trouble? You know, car trouble came your way, and all of a sudden something broke or something happened in your car, and, and you're kind of done with that, and that ended that. Would you look closely at this picture? I wondered if this young lady is looking into the car and sees that her engine is gone. <laughs> I, I don't know what, the, what that is, but she's having some kind of a car trouble, not realizing her engine's in behind. I'm sure that's not the case. But anyway, the Bible, he, go, he said, now consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. There were four uh, friends, and they went out mountain climbing. When I was in college, I had some people down the, down the hallway that they loved to go mountain climbing. And they had all the gear hanging all over their room, and they would had their carabiners and their bags and everything, and they would go out, and they would camp on the face of uh, Half Dome in Yosemite. It was all amazing what they would do climbing. I never thought that was a fun sport. But I understand others really enjoy it. Well, these four friends, they went out and were doing climbing. And as they were getting ready for the last guy that they were coming up, all of a sudden he slipped and he fell down 60 feet. And fortunately, there was a ledge that he happened to land on and catch. Well, they're yelling down to him because they can hardly see him. They said, are you all right? They're yelling, are you all right? And uh, he yelled, yes, I'm alive, I'm alive but I think I've broken both of my arms. Well, what are they going to do? do? So they said, so we're throwing you a rope. So they threw a rope down to him. He said, I got it, I got it. So now they start pulling him up, you know. Start pulling up, and as they're pulling him up, suddenly it comes to mind, and saying, you know, coming to their mind, what about it, what about it? And he says, all of a sudden they're thinking, hey, if your arms are broken, how are you holding on? Wouldn't that be a good question? And he said, by my teeth. <laughs> Silly, huh? But we say we're holding on by our teeth, don't we? Holding on by it. I remember when I was in college, and we had our uh, college president who knew at the beginning of freshman orientation, he spoke to us. And I'll never forget this. There were about 600 of us in the freshman class at my college, and he said, half of you, more than half of you will be gone come graduation day in four years. Oh, good. Well, that sounds good. He said, well, when you come to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hold on. You know, uh, well, maybe, maybe. But here James is saying, consider it, consider it pure joy. Pure joy, brothers and sisters, when, when those trials, when you face trials of many kinds, you know, we all face trials, don't we? They all come to us. All of us have those hardships. Sometimes it's, it's a death in the family. Sometimes it's a loss of job. Sometimes it's bad news of a medical report. We, from time to time, we all kind of get these bad things, these trials that come to us. And here James is saying, well, count it joy. Sometimes we ask, well, why me? Why me? Why did this happen to me? I've had those experiences, and you? Sometimes I've had trials in my life. I said, I just want to give up. I just want to give up. 
Well, back to James 1. If you look at back at James 1. So he goes on and he says, After he said then, I count this all joy, pure joy, that you're having these trials. He said, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There you go. Really? So the reason the testing that comes along, these trials that come along to test us, as they come into our life and come around, this, is, this helps with our faith. Testing our faith then helps us produce uh, perseverance. Is that your case? Is that helping you to, to keep going, to keep having? I had a classmate in high school, and he said, if you first don't succeed, quit. Well, why quit bothering with yourself? And I, aren't you glad that uh, Thomas Edison didn't do that with the light bulb? Thousands of times he tried all these different things to get light to come, and he finally succeeded because he didn't quit. Verse 4, let perseverance finish his work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. Notice those words, mature and complete. The test of your perseverance, that testing of your faith, those trials that come, they do something for you internally to help you, James says, in maturing, be more mature and complete. Now, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he said something was rather profound when he said to us, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And when you read that, Good luck. Huh? Good luck. Being perfect as my heavenly father is perfect? I'm already done with that. I, I'm not going to make that. So looking at that more closely, we wonder, is that really, is that really being perfect? What do we mean by being perfect? What do we mean by that kind? I think there's a connection between being perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, and this concept that James had about being mature and complete. There seems to be an overlap in that. There seems to be a connection there. It's not that I have absolutely, totally flawless, but that there I be mature and complete in a perseverance in my faith. Now, if you remember the story, the story in Mark 10 where the rich young ruler came to Jesus. Remember this story? And he came along, he's very wealthy, and he came along to Jesus, and he stopped Jesus, and he said, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus started quoting to him part of the Ten Commandments. In fact, he quoted to him the ones that deal with our relationship with people. And he started quoting them, and, he, and the rich young ruler, after hearing this, goes, well, I've done all these since my, uh, since my youth up. What do I lack yet? And then Jesus said, well, go, go and share your wealth. Sell all you have and give to the poor. And the Bible says he went away sorrowful because he had a lot of wealth. He was looking to have his perfection being that I'm following the law, doing that, but not realizing that what Jesus was talking about when he was telling the came had to do with love. You know, 
the Ten Commandments, the first four and the last six, can all be divided into two great principles. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And the second is love thy neighbor as thyself. All the commandments fit under those two great principles. And so when Jesus was saying this to him, they were kind of surprised, kind of saying, well, you know, I've done all that. Oh, really? Have you? You've been loving to others? Charles Torrey, he, he kind of summarizes, he, as he was taking Jesus' words there in Matthew, he just paraphrased it a little bit and said, be therefore all including in your goodwill, even as your heavenly Father includes all. Being including, including of others. Wouldn't that say something about our racial issues in our country? If all of us living that being perfect, in other words, being mature and inclusive of everyone in love, bringing them around, therefore, preserve, let the perseverance finish its work and you be mature and complete light. Perfect love for those around us. Perfect love for God. Because it's been matured through our faith and trust in God. In trusting in Him. In trusting in Him. To persevere. To keep going. Facing the wind and the tough struggles and to keep, pick yourself up and go again by leaning out in faith and trust. Now, one of my classmates in, in high school, Winston Churchill, uh, he gave an address while he was in England, he and prime minister. He was asked to come and speak at and address the class at Harrow School there in London. And so he went to speak, and on the day he, he got up to speak, and this is his speech in totality. I'm going to give it all to you today. So he said... Never, if you know how he speaks, never give in. Never give in. Never, never, in nothing great or small, large or petty, never get in except with the convictions of honor or good sense. Never give in. And he sat down. That was it. But he sure knew uh, his life how to do that, didn't he? When you know the story of Winston Churchill and how he went through World War II and how he kept England going, instead of giving up, we never give up. Never give up. So I'd ask you this morning, are, are you facing tough times right now? Tough times. Perhaps you're home and you're facing tough times. Things outside are affecting your life. Maybe your work, maybe your health, maybe family issues, maybe things happening in your world. We all have them. We all have them that way. Back to James, verse 5. So James says, going on, after he said to persevere, he said, if any of you lacks wisdom on persevering, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Given wisdom of how to get through the trial, how to persevere. If you ask God, he will give you wisdom. If you lack that and what to do, and of course we all do, 
But when you ask, he said, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not, uh, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. They're just blown this way and that way. Do you see a, a steadfastness, a steadfastness in that maturity and in that growth that trust and faith in Christ to persevere through the trials, through the tribulations that come, that we can get through them. Perseverance, what a word. What a word, perseverance. Well, years ago, Pastor W.A. Criswell was the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. And he liked to hunt birds. He liked to go hunting with birds. And so he said, in order to improve that, he said, he went and he purchased two English setters. Oh, they are wonderful. But they needed to be trained to be bird dogs. So he had them in his backyard. And every day he was going out, spending time teaching them how to be bird dogs, what he wanted them to do and how they were to go find the bird and and pick it up and bring it back, and all those kind of things that a bird dog needs to know. And they have a lot of natural instinct for it, so it was a fun thing. But one morning, he was out, and he was looking out his back window, which was raised up a little bit, and he could look out into his backyard, and he had a fence there and an alleyway. When he noticed coming down the street in the alley was a bulldog. And the bulldog came along, and then saw the setters sitting in the yard. And he kind of ruffled and ruffled, and then he, he slipped under, squeezed under the fence, and wanted to teach those dogs a lesson. Well, those dogs went after him. They bit all over his ears, his tail, whatever they could nip on his legs. Finally, the bulldog gave up. It's enough of this and quickly slept under. And as he walked back down the alleyway, he was kind of licking himself from the terrible treatment he got. So it just happened the next day that the pastor was looking out his window and he saw the bulldog coming back down the street. And the bulldog began to rough and kind of squeezed under the fence, came up, and those English setters taught that dog a lesson a second day. And the dog got a real licking, real bitten all over, and squeezed under the fence and went down, kind of moaning as they walked back down the street. Well, the pastor had to go on a trip, and he left for about a month, and when he got back, he asked his wife, well, how did things go? How are things going with the setters? I said, you know that bulldog? Yeah. That bulldog came every single day and squeezed under the fence. She said, go look and watch. So he went to the window and looked out. Sure enough, we didn't have to wait very long. Here comes the bulldog down the street. Squeezes under the fence. And the setters went to their corners and left the dog alone. And the bulldog walked around proudly that now he, this was his territory. And then he squeezed under the fence and went home. 
perseverance. Through all the trial and nipping, that dog was tenacious, you know, hanging on. In England, I don't know if you're familiar with Sir Isaac Watts. Sir Isaac Watts was a, a kind of a nonconformist minister, and he wrote many hymns. We have many of them in our hymnal that are there. He was wonderful with, with words and with music, committed to Christ, but he was a nonconformist, so he, he wrote some things about prophecy, which I've shared with our class before, and those particular things that he wrote were profound for the time in which he lived. Well, he was a committed Christian, deep committed, and he wrote these words. I thought they were interesting for us to focus on. Am I a soldier of the cross? A follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign, increasing my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. Profound, I thought. Profound. Hymns have wonderful wonderful poetry, wonderful truth in them. So here's James saying, <laughs> consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when those trials come and you have to face them. Consider it joy. Well, I don't know for you if, if that's going to be a, a real good experience for me when trials come. But I want to remember that I need to put my trust and seek wisdom from the Lord and that he will see me through. Putting my faith and trust, trust is the same word as faith in the scriptures in the New Testament, to faith, to trust, same thing, to putting my trust in God, that he will see me through those hard times, that whatever hard time you are facing and going through, God will see you through. Isn't that wonderful? And so I can come to him, and with a grateful heart, with a grateful heart, I can be his child. And maybe someday, I will have pure joy. Hard thing to do. Hard thing to see. But trusting in our Lord to see us through. He promised he would. And James his half-brother, assured us that he would. Dear Lord, I thank you. I thank you for these, uh, these words of James, although they are hard for us to fathom. Particularly when we're in really up against the wind. Some trial is in our life and in our face. And it's trying to pull us one way or the other, Lord. I... But if we could experience that, that joy, knowing that this is for our faith building, to teach us perseverance, and to never get up, 
Never give up. Never give up. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this part of our Christian experience that we may grow and be strong in you. But we need your wisdom in knowing what to do. Thank you for sending your spirit and providing that to us. Help us to be open to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I have a couple of things I'd like for you, three things for you to consider. Things to consider as you go out this afternoon and as you go out, certain things that you could take with you and think about. Number one, good question is, am I trying to face the trials of my life alone? A shared sorrow is half a sorrow, by the way. Did you know that? A shared sorrow is half a sorrow. If I could face the trials, if I could find and call on the Lord my friend, or those other Christians around us, we need to support those that are going in trials. Am I trying to face these trials? And it's a good question to ask ourselves alone. If I feel hopeless, number two, if I feel hopeless right now, where can I turn for help? Where can I turn? So I'm just not all by myself. James gave us a hint what we could do. But others, things could be done as well. And number three, where can I find the courage to persevere? Where can I find that courage to keep going and to make my life go forward? Those are things that I'd like for you to think about today as you go through your life, as you go and live, facing the trials that you are and those that come our way. How can I find the courage to persevere and to keep going? All right, I thank you for joining us today. Some of you are online. I thank you for being with us.